Hey everybody, it's the Modcast. It's Monday. Super, super happy everybody is here today. Hope you're all having a wonderful Monday. Start to the week. You know, it's hot here in LA, but I will never complain about the heat because I love the heat. I welcome these heat waves. I welcome them. Um, to everybody joining today, we have a very, 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 very special guest. I'm so honored he is joining me today. I'm going to give it a little bit of time for people to join in. Um, if you're just tuning in, this is the Modcast. This is the sixth episode. And um, we have the amazing Shaka Senghor here today. I'm so, 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 so excited. Um, it's going to be uh, amazing, enlightening conversation. And um, I'm just super honored and excited that he's going to share this space today um, with me. And we're going to be talking about all things joy and aspirational and happy. And, you know, right now we're in a time where life can feel a little upside down, maybe stagnant, um, maybe not so joyful. So today we are going to be talking all things joy. If you're just joining, it's the Modcast, episode number six. We're on to two hands, guys. We're at episode number six, and my amazing guest is the one and only Shaka Senghor. Um, and so, yeah, let me. I'm going to call him in. If you guys can hear, I have my my theme song, my modified theme song, which was made by my really good friend Ben and. What's up? How are you? How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so thankful you're here. I, um, you know, this is my sixth episode. I'm adjusting my um, ring light. Oh, here we go. That's better. Hey, Saka. How you doing? What's up? What's up? How are you? <laughs> I'm great. Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to be here. Super honored. I'm so honored that you're here with me today. Um, I know when your last interviews was Oprah, so I just um, have to thank her for that alley-oop, and uh, <laughs> you know, we're going to hit, it's going to be a fully, a completely different interview, and you know, Oprah is like, idol, so because you just talked to her, I feel like I just talked to her too, because it's one degree of separation. <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. It's all in the fam, for sure. All in the fam. So, Shaka, the Modcast is about um, talking all things joy, and um, basically today we're just going to find out how you find joy every day, and every week I dress on theme of my guests because it makes me happy. So I wore my Malcolm X shirt, it says Malcolm X in all of us, That's right. because I know you love Malcolm X. Absolutely. I love Malcolm X too. And my earrings are feathers. Love it. Because feathers are birds and mm. birds represent freedom. Absolutely. So I, love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Shaka. So I like to start the podcast. First of all, how are you doing on this lovely hot Monday today? I'm actually great. I'm, I'm at home. I'm chilling in my office where I've been all morning, literally since about uh, eight, nine this morning working. Um, but I feel, I feel amazing. I feel good uh, energetically. I feel inspired right now to do a lot of things creatively. And I'm really excited to be here joining you in conversation. 
Thank you, Shaka. So one of my first fun questions is, what is your favorite drink but non-alcoholic? Because you know, I'm all age friendly, but what drink do you love that just makes you feel good, feel relaxed, with no alcohol? <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm actually drinking one of them. I'm not gonna give any brands out, but I'm actually drinking a, a fresh juice right now. Uh, but I actually, and this is no no cap, um, your friend Faith brought me a juice Sunday, yesterday. It was mango, pineapple, orange. It was amazing. So that was really good. Uh, so that that's that's what I'm enjoying right now, fresh juices. I love that. Everybody, get your fresh juice on. Faith, you said it was mango, pineapple, and orange. Sounds delicious. And it had a little splash of ginger in it as well, so it was really good. I love the ginger. It's good for the stomach, settles us, grounds us. A little yeah. kick in there. Absolutely. So, Shaka, I have two quotes that when I saw them, I thought of you, and that's how we're going to hop into this conversation. Okay. And the first one is by Khalil Gibran, who, of course, mm. you know. And it says, I slept and I dreamed that life is all joy. I woke up and saw that life is all service. I served and I saw that service is joy. Mm. And so for those who don't know a lot about Chaka, I'm going to give you a quick, brief um, round, you know, summary, because I want you to do your own research and buy his book. Bam, mm. you like that? <laughs> I love Third it. Time best-selling author, Shaka Senghor. Now, friends, Shaka and I have been friends for only four years, but it's felt like it's been 25 years. I know, right? It's amazing. You are incredible. And, and friends, Shaka is one of our closest friends and one of our most trusted allies, advocates, incredible human beings. But Shaka is one of the most amazing people on the planet. And when you buy his book, you like I said, when let's let's New York Times, let's put it back on the New York Times bestseller list. Okay, let's Paolo Coelho this thing. We can put it back on the New York Times bestseller list. Um, Shaka is somebody who, when you meet, is kind and joyful and fun and amazing, and who has experienced one of the most crazy and hardest experiences that I could have imagined. Um, you spent 19 years in prison, and we just celebrated your 10-year anniversary of freedom, yes. which is amazing. <laughs> and it's the lovely. reason I wanted to start out with that Khalil Gibran quote is because as soon as I met you, you were somebody who, you were getting an award for all of the work that you've done in the community and all of the service that you provide for others, for men and women who are getting out of prison, for young people, in the hood, young people all around, grown-ups, you advise everybody. So where do you find your main source of joy day to day? And how does service link in with that? Yeah, no, thank you so much for asking that question. Uh, the, main, the main place I find my source of joy is in being a dad. Like, there's nothing as joyful as being a dad. You know, I have the most incredible eight-year-old son say, cool. And, you know, when I wake up to that voice, to that smile, and to know that I have a responsibility, mm -hmm. a lot of times people don't think of fatherhood as, as, as service-oriented, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it brings me great honor when I am 
washing his clothes, when I'm preparing a meal for him, and doing that with love, without complaint. You know, um, I'm, a, I'm a single dad, and, and a lot of times our stories don't get told. You know, so I literally do everything from A to Z as it comes to raising my son, and I do it with a sense of joy and satisfaction. You know, when I put him down to bed at night to know that I provided a level of comfort that allows him to go to sleep with ease, like that's joyful to me. Uh, my son is vegetarian, I'm not. But to prepare a meal for him or to ensure that he has a meal that speaks to his particular dietary needs, like as a dad, that brings me joy. Um, he's very creative, you know, and to provide the, the sources for him to create, you know, and to watch him create and to watch his imagination uh, be unleashed in an authentic way. Like that's the type of service as a dad that is fulfilling and that extends to other areas of service. I'm a mentor. Um, you know, I have schools that I've adopted throughout the country. And when I'm able to be in service to those kids, like I'm so happy, I'm so fulfilled, but you know, fatherhood is, is the best. It's, it's the absolute best, it's the most challenging in all the right ways. Um, and it's the most fulfilling, you know, when I, when I can meet those challenges and when I can honor um, all the requirements of what it means to be a dad, you know? So I'm just, I'm full of joy all the time because I'm raising this incredible boy. I, I have to attest, I love, I love Sekou also, everybody. Uh, Shaka's son is amazing, and he's going to be a guest on the podcast very soon. Um, he is actually the reason that Shaka and I became friends, because I connected with his four-year-old son at the time. And I told Shaka, he's so special, can we stay connected? And I was really hoping you weren't like, this woman is a crazy lady. <laughs> um, <laughs> Why does she like my child so much? But, you know, I love children, and your son is really, really special. And I see thousands of kids a year, and there's something so amazing about Sekou. Now, you know, children bring us both so much joy, and we love Sekou. And I feel like having gone, thanks to you, Having visited juvenile detention centers and prisons, I feel like a lot of people locked up, their inner child has been robbed, it's been stolen, it's been taken, and there's so much joy that comes from, you know, like, I don't want to grow up, I'm a Toys R Us kid. So, do you, for two questions, do you feel like your inner child was robbed at only 17 or even before, and have you tapped back into that inner child, and how so? Yeah, I'm child. I'm child as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, on on a serious note, you know, my my childhood was um, my childhood development was arrested very early on. You know, I, I I was in the streets, you know, when I was 13 years old, fending for myself, navigating a very adult world, and then going to prison at the age of 19. You know, I I I realized in that environment that for one, not just me as an individual, but for black boys in general, um, you know, our idea of childhood gets taken away very early on. Uh, even in a language that we use as it relates to young black boys, it's like, you know, oh, this is my little man. 
you know, or you're the man of the house, you know, before you're even capable of providing. And so I realized that when I got home, and I'm going to tell you how I realized that I was experiencing a new childhood. Um, my first car that I purchased on my own was a 96 Caprice Classic. <laughs> and it's an old school Chevy. I'm riding around Detroit. And one of the first things I did is I went and put the most, the most obnoxious sounds in it. Uh, big old subwoofer, loudspeakers. And one day I was at a stoplight. And this was literally about seven, eight years ago. Um, I'm at a stoplight and I got Jeezy banging. I'm, I'm, I'm turned up on my Jeezy. I'm on my Jeezy swag, right? And a car pulls alongside of me and it's the same kind of car. And the guy, he got his sounds banging, but he's literally about 20. And here it is, I'm like 40 at the time. And I just, I laughed so hard uh, <laughs> because I was like, damn, yo, I'm literally living my life like I'm a teenager or a young adult. Mm -hmm. But then I made peace with that and I was okay with that. And I realized that the ultimate goal for me as a man is to embrace the fact that that little boy still lives inside of me. So I'm always finding ways to have fun. I love to have fun. Um, I, you know, I'm curious about the world. I'm still learning a lot of things. So I, instead of saying, hey, I'm too old to learn this, I'm like, no, I'm actually curious about this and I wanna know more. Um, just the other day, like I literally put my roller skates on and- It was amazing. <laughs> and I was literally skating around my house, right? Um, and, and it was the most childish thing I could do because first of all, I'm like, I got beautiful wood floors and I knew that there was a, a potential of me start scratching up these floors, which can be expensive to get clean. But the, the fulfillment that I felt in that moment was way more important than whatever it would cost to get my floors clean because I can replace floors, mm -hmm. but you can't replace the feeling of joy when it's happening in the moment. And I wanted to have that moment for myself. And, and I did, and I had a ball and it was a great experience. I mean, it brought me so much joy because I went, I was on your page and I was like, Shaka skating in the house. <laughs> and I didn't even know that you roller skated. And then you did it well. Cause let me tell you, last time I roller skated, I broke my wrist in wow. the big grade. So I've not been on a pair of skates again. But I love that you are putting joy first, like Chloe just said. And so my question to you, I've been like thinking about it, I've been preparing for our interview, is how do we make joy cool in the hood? No, I, I think that's a great question, right? And I, and I think it really starts with those of us who've been able to access joy and access fulfillment. And one of the things I think we also have to articulate that it's not a one-off, it's not a sustainable thing, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that you capture in moments of presence. And a lot of times we're not even present with our own being, so we can't experience joy because it's, it's almost like a, 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 an external thing that has yet to be captured. But when you help people tap into the, the presence of their being, that's what joy is easy to access, right? And the thing is that we, we find it in the hood, but oftentimes it comes in 
a way that that's wrapped in something else, some other toxic behaviors, right? Yeah. Um, so like you can go in any hood corner and, and guys are cracking jokes and having fun and, and all those things, right? But it's usually within tearing somebody else down. Right. And so the big thing is to not demonize the fact that they're being joyful, but being able to re redirect that joyful to an inner experience. And a sense of fulfillment and, and being able to find presence enough to actually be in the moment when you're having it, right? Um, and so to me, I, I think it takes all of us. It takes artists. Uh, like, we articulate the culture. You right. know, it, it takes entertainers. You know, um, it's so funny, like, you know, as a black man in America who's who's often vilified, Mm -hmm. it's, it's really interesting that we begin to buy into the idea that we can only show up as the villain in order to be empowered and to be strong. And for me, like I'm so intentional about the love that I welcome into my life. I'm so intentional about loving on the people in my life, my brothers, my sisters, because that's empowering to me. Yeah. And that's joyful to me, you know, and, and I can promise you that it feels amazing when I can find joy in the laughter of a friend, uh, when we have an inside joke, or I can find joy in being able to hug a friend mm -hmm. and, and to just be present with them, whatever they're experiencing. And so I think it's the most swaggy shit ever is to, is to like be a joyful, empowered, successful man in the, in the current state of being as a black man uh, for me, right? Um, and, and it's not to say that that's a gender idea, just the fact is I'm a man. So I find joy in that, right? I don't, I don't, I find a great deal of joy in my madness and being a king and, and, and being present in the way that I am um, unapologetically, you know, because, you know, as I, the way that I connect to my friends, it's important to me and it's joyful because I know that I'm living in the power of what it means to be a man. I love that. I mean, I, so I have this um, quote, it's on my phone, it's like a meme, and it says, joy is sexy. And I love that, because even as a woman, as a black woman, it's like, you know what I mean, I'm super joyful, I'm loud, I'm always laughing, always smiling. And even from the lens of a man, only certain men find that attractive. It's not like the sexy thing, it's like, you know, maybe if I have on like a mini skirt and a tight dress, that's the sexy thing. And it's not coming in a room, greeting everybody and smiling and, and, and being happy. And I'm trying to, like one of my missions is to make joy cool in the hood. And like you said, in the hood, there is so much joy. We do the electric slide at the cookout, but sadly that same cookout might get shot up five minutes later. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like, how do we have the joy and take out the the trauma because black joy is the greatest. Like absolutely. <laughs> but I do I, I do want to say this, like if brothers are sleeping on you because they don't see the sexiness in your joy, like that's truly their loss. And it's probably because they haven't been able to access joy on their own. Um and, and, and maybe there's a factor of that that's so unfamiliar. I think it's beautiful. I think, you know, one of the one of the things that I absolutely love about our friendship and my friendship with Chloe is the joy that I feel when we're around each other. And it actually set a standard for me in terms of my expectations and what 
I'm looking for in like women that I date. Like joy is a key part of that. Uh, if that's absent, like I'm good. Like I don't, I'm, I'm straight on that. Like real that's talk. Amazing. I, I mean, because to me, what it, what it, what it says is that there's an element of themselves that they haven't accessed. Mm. And, and I think the same should be for a woman. Like if a man can't smile in the presence of a child, if he can't find pleasure in, in, in enjoying a meal with beautiful company, like there's a lack of presence there that, that, that diminishes that experience. And so now I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, my days are valuable, my time is valuable. Mm -hmm. And I would much rather spend time laughing and feeling good than crying and feeling sorrow. And so I think your joy is sexy. I think it's a crazy swagger. Um, and, and I hope that the brothers who are courting you can acknowledge that as a major asset because I promise you I was going to make your life better. Thank you, Shaka. That means so much to me. I'm blushing. And you know I'm light-skinned, so I'm turning red. Um, That's real. Thank you so much. And, you know, in relationships and in dating and, you know, I date black men and I know that you date black women. Not to say that we're, like, closed off, but that's just what it is, you know. And I think that joy, if I ask my guy friends, like, what are you looking for in a woman? Most of the times, joy is not on that list. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, intelligent and nice and smart and whatever, reliable. But joy isn't on that list. And so for any brothers and sisters watching, I think that it's so important to seek joy in your partner, like Shaka was saying. Because if not, it's not going to be joyful. And if it's not joyful, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I think there's I think there is a reason for that, right? It's it's part of it is from our culture, we're taught to be so cautious about anything that makes us happy or feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And and I've given a lot of thought to this, right? So being being a successful brother on my journey, I get a lot of what I've considered backhanded compliments, right? Mm -hmm. And it's people that's being like, Oh, don't go Hollywood or Make sure you stay humble. Mm -hmm. and, and these things, and they're well-meaning and they're well-intentioned, but they're wrapped in this weird caution, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so what happens is when you're overly cautious because you don't feel worthy, it's hard to access joy. It's hard to access fulfillment because if you don't believe you belong in a place, how can you settle in? Um, and that's an emotional place, a spiritual place, a mental place. You can't settle in where you don't feel you belong. And so it's hard for people to see joy as something they can settle into because they haven't been taught that that belongs to us as well. And so I think this part of it is like retraining and, and re-imagining like how we experience life. So when people tell me to be humble, I said, no, thank you. That's, I, I appreciate that. But my plans is to fucking be great. Um, I love so, that. You know, when they're like, don't go Hollywood, I'm like, of course, because I can't go backwards. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's levels to, 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 to joy. Like, that's not, that doesn't bring me fulfillment. Only going forward brings me fulfillment. And so we just have to reframe the information we're taking in. Um, and, and, and really, even the language. So when a guy is saying, you know, I want, a, I, want a, I want a woman that's nice. Actually, what he's saying is that he wants a woman that makes him feel good and joyful. Mm -hmm. It's just that we haven't been able to put it in a language that's accessible to, you know, our brothers and sisters. And so you're doing a great thing. Like this is a, 
a great service. Um, and it's just a testament to who you, you are. Like, you're always in service of others. Like, and it's one of the most beautiful and authentic things to witness. Um, and, you know, I, I appreciate it. So, to y'all brothers, if y'all trying to holler at my sis, <laughs> understand you're going to be laughing and smiling, and you're just going to be loved on in a dope way. And understand that, you know, she do got brothers in her back that's really about that life. So, don't fuck that up. I love you, Shaka. I love you <laughs> all of those statements. Thank you very much. And Shaka and I live 10 minutes away from each other, so he's very, very, very close. Okay, everybody? Um, you know, what's something, when I read your book, Shaka, which I'm going to pull up again in case people are just joining, buy this book, it quite literally changed my life. Like, in... You know, people say things like, oh, that changed my life. That changed my life. This book changed my entire perspective. It kind of, in a good way, was an earthquake to some of my beliefs. And, you know, I'm very confident in my intelligence and my value system and my beliefs. And your book made my life better, and it changed it for the better. And I told you I, was, I read it in two days, and I finished it on a beach in Brazil. I'm crying on the beach. And people are coming up to me because I was alone, like, are you okay? And I was like, the book is so good. The book is so good. And it was after we had been friends, which is amazing. Because mm -hmm. I met you without knowing much about your past. I was like, yeah. I know he's from Detroit. I know he's from the hood. But I'm from D.C. and I'm from the hood. I love his son. He's cool. We cool. That's my fam. Period. Yeah. And then I read your book. And not only did it change my life for the better, but it inspired me. And one of the biggest things that I want to, um, that in the way it changed my life is that when people get locked up, people say things like lock them up, throw away the key, like whatever, it doesn't matter. They're animals, just horrible, horrible, horrible. And one of the things that basic human rights are denied to prisoners in the United States, but one of the things that is other that's hugely denied is hope and joy. And so how were you able to find any joy while you were locked up? And how did you find joy when you got out? Yeah, when I was locked up, it was very hard. But but the one thing that was consistent was was books. You know, it's one of the reasons I'm a writer to this day. Like, there was nothing like getting away. And I was reading everything. Like, people think I'm all super philosophical and deep and intellectual. And I, and I am all those things, right? But And I don't think we've ever had this conversation. But I was literally reading everything. So I would read, you know, all the deep stuff, Malcolm and Donald Goins and, you know, Iceberg Slam and all those books. Classics. But I also was reading, like, Jackie Collins, right? So nobody think I'm, like, reading... Hollywood Wives and Lady Boss. Uh, I was reading Sidney Sheldon and Stephen King. And like those stories, like they took me so far outside of the prison. And it was the most joyful thing. Like I remember how excited I would be when the cell block quieted down. Wow. And I would literally stand at my door by my bars, reading late into the night, two, three in the morning. And I would have to hop on my bunk when the officer make that round because you're supposed to technically be in your bed like a kid oh my god um, and so i would hop in my bunk soon as they would leave i would get back up and i would literally stand at the door and read about a little bit of light that cracked through the door and i would read those bo books and be transported to a different world 
Um, you know, and so that that was the one place that I knew I could find joy at. And then being a mentor, even in that environment, and helping other brothers access their emotions, uh, access their intellect, like that, that fulfillment, um, it wasn't as joyful, it was more fulfillment, but the books were the joy. And then when I got out, um, you know, there's been, there's been many things that's brought me joy. Uh, you know, just the ability to actually move in my true purpose. Mm -hmm. um, to start a company based on a vision I have and to execute my game plan and to sell books out the trunk of my car all the way up to a level of success that nobody imagined for me other than me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, so to be able to watch with each sale, every book, you know, I'm building this dream, this vision of people are going to know these stories that I'm writing. Um, and so that was joyful, like being able to engage with you know, the opposite sex, which I was deprived of, right? Um, mm -hmm. Like, it's nothing more fulfilling than me than having a conversation with a woman. Mm -hmm. And not even necessarily a woman of, of, of like, sexual interest or romantic interest, but the energy of yeah. femininity, right? Like, that is joyful to me to be able to have thought-evolved conversations with dope women. Um, on a superficial level, like, I love to look at beautiful women. I was in prisons where I went years without seeing a black woman. Like, not, not just a woman, but years without seeing a black woman. Um, so imagine that, like, five or six years, and you don't see another <laughs> a person of the opposite gender with your same skin tone. Uh, so my appreciation visually of women, and it's got me in trouble with, in, in relationships <laughs> because... Women who have I've dated, they don't understand that a lot of the interests I have in, in having these conversations with women has nothing to do with romantically. It's right. because energetically, I was around dudes for 20 years. You're catching up. So, exactly, right? And, and right. So the, the thing is, like, energetically, I mastered being around male energy. Mm. You know what I mean? From building friendships, from going to war with each other from understanding growth as fathers, as friends, my relationships with women have been very limited because I came home to a relationship. So there was limitations in how I can engage uh, with other women right. because of that relationship, right? Um, and then I was in another relationship, right? So for me, I'm very protective of my freedom as it relates to having women that are, you know, friends of the opposite sex because energetically, that feeds my soul in a way that has nothing to do with romance or sex. Um, now, that part aside, <laughs> it's also joyful to date. Um, and I'm looking forward to COVID being over so I can just right. so go, go out and, and, yeah, and, and have a meal. Um, yeah. My mom just said, my mom is here, by the way, Shaka, and you know my mom loves you. My mom just said, Mod would die. <laughs> you know, I went to Croatia and hey, yeah. last year for, I was gone for like two and a half weeks. So uh, Ukraine and Croatia. I did not see a black man in real life for 16 or 17 days. Now, mind you, Shaka, this is no comparison at all. I'm just saying right. you're a much stronger human being because I was dying. 
when I landed in LA and I saw a brother, I almost ran to get mugged. It was like, I just, I, just Yo. Needed, I needed to see you and I also needed to be seen. Because Listen. also, there's nothing like being seen by yourself. Absolutely. So, so listen, my first, it was 19 years before I actually went to a prison that was actually predominantly black. So I remember like walking into the counselor's office for the first time and it's like a sister sister. Like, I mean, she, she in there with the swagger on, we in the deep. And I was like, yo, it was like, it was so unbelievable to just be talking to her that I didn't even know how to talk to her. I was just like, uh, 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 uh. you know, I'm going home in 60 days. What do I do, right? Um, but it was so different, that kindred, that, that kinship, right, mm -hmm. uh, of, of even though she was working in the system and understanding that I was in the system, but there was a way that we can communicate where I knew that she was championing that, that I would win when I got out without her even saying it, just how she treated me. Hey, brother. Mm -hmm. You know, what you need? What you, what you in my office for today? What you want? What, what, what's up? How can I help you? Right? But, and, and, like, I hadn't had that in 19 years. Wow. You know? It was inmate number 219-184. What do you want? You know what I'm saying? White, what do you want? You know, so wow. to be in a space where a sister's literally just like, brother, what you, what, you, what you want? How can I help? You know what I mean? Like, that swagger, that energy, it was, it was wild. You know what I mean? And so... You know, I love, I love, I love all the dope sisters that, that I rock with. No, I mean, your journey is so incredible. And what's amazing is I never really thought about it that for 20 years, you really didn't, you couldn't just like kick it with a woman, you know, as your home, home girl, like we couldn't just kick it and, and talk and, you know, talk trash or whatever. Do you feel like, because right now you're one of the best black men, men in general, race aside, <laughs> to speak to yeah. for, as a woman, I can tell you anything. You always listen. You always give me a great perspective. You're never judgmental. Like, I've known you for four years. You've never said anything that's offended me, offended, like, me as a woman or women as a whole. You've never generalized. Do you feel like you had to, like, train yourself? Or do you feel like you've improved? Like, think Shaka just got out of prison, first black woman you see to now, those conversations? I'm growing, I'm, I'm, I'm literally evolving, right? Um, I think in terms of, you know, where I come from, like I come from the streets, so I come from fast money, fast women, fast cars, right? Um, so there are some behaviors I had to unlearn. Mm -hmm. I, think I've, I think I've always had like a, the respect part, like that's just true to how I, I was raised. Like I was raised mm -hmm. by my dad, with four sisters. Wow. So my sisters are like, you know, my friends. And so we really vibe. So there's always been like a bar of, of, of that level, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there's also some privilege that comes with being a man, right? And a man of means. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of behaviors that I had to be conscious and aware of that are very nuanced. Um, and it comes from having great friendships with women where we can talk about real conversations that's not about all men this or all women that. It's like, yo, this is what I did. And how, how did, like, where am I wrong at? Tell me more. 
And like, even in the dating world, so I talked to my sisters when I first came home after I broke up, right? Uh -huh. So I'm like, okay, what's real? And they like, you know what? Just tell them the truth. Be real out the gate, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fair enough. Listen, I just want to smash. That's all I want to do. And okay, is that is that real enough, right? And they're like, okay. And, and that worked. It was just like a real conversation. We can have a conversation. This is what it is. And then it's like, I also want to go out to dinner and I want to do this. And then it started getting complicated because it's like, oh, you're exhibiting signs of something else, even though you had the agreement up front. And I and I had to learn this because I'm like, I don't want to just be a savage and where I just like smash and then dip. Right. I'm like, I'm really interested in hanging out with you. I'm just not interested in a relationship right, right now. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but then I've also failed in those communications when I saw it getting complicated. And so mm -hmm. I've I've reacted out. I've had I've had like angry blow-ups and, and, and arguments and all type of, you know, shit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but what I consistently do is I'll go talk to my friends who are women and say, hey, this is how I showed up. I fucked that up. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I was angry. I was frustrated and I didn't handle that right. Like where, where did I, as a, as a man and coming from a woman's perspective, like where did I not handle that right? And what should I have done? And am I overthinking this? And, and sometimes, and I mean, you know what, I've called you with like, you know, stuff about the BM and, and you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and and it's real though. Like I can literally call you and be like, "Yo, I'm about to go the fuck off," and you're like, yeah. "Take a couple of steps back." <laughs> I agree with you. You're right for being upset, but think about it through this lens, right? Right. And, and, I, and even when I don't agree, just to know that I can make that call is enough to slow that train down. Um, and so I've grown a lot. You know what I mean? I'm still growing. I've I've, I've been in two serious relationships. I've been in a couple of situationships, um, and, <laughs> and I'm evolving to understand like what my core needs are. Uh huh. And and as a dad, like literally as a single dad, it's way more complicated mm -hmm. than people would ever speak to because men just don't talk about these things, right? It is hard dating with the thought of a serious relationship when you're a single dad. Because I, I'm not just dating for me. I'm dating for my son as well. I'm dating with the understanding that I'm co-parenting. Um, and so, mm -hmm. like, the things that I'm looking for are not always accessible because it's not, I can't, I don't have every night free. Um, right. You know, and, yeah. Yeah, and everybody can't meet the young prince, like, out the gate. Like, that's a whole process because Absolutely not. yeah he's so so full of love like that can't be you know mm -mm. um just just trifle with you know what i mean so it's complex so you know no i agree and one of the things i feel like one of the through lines through what we've been talking about today is if you deny yourself the truth and your personal truth and the truth in general then you are blocking your joy. Absolutely. Even in these relationships or situationships with, with women, it's like you're being honest. And as soon as we start lying to ourselves, because I'll say this, women, we like to create stories sometimes. And sometimes, Ooh. men, your actions don't match what you say. But mm -hmm. what I've learned is 
men usually say what they mean, particularly if it's, I don't want to be your boyfriend. They don't want to be your boyfriend. So even if they're doing boyfriend-like things, you still have to continue to remind yourself, he does not want to be my man. So do I want to enjoy these dates and maybe these trips, etc., but and, and just enjoy that for what it is? I know that this is just this, and he might be dating other people, but as soon as you start denying yourself that truth, that I think is where the joy starts to fizzle. Yeah, absolutely. And then the drama or whatever, and the heart breaks and the feelings turn sour because we're not being honest with ourselves and with each other. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing, too, is like you can't, you can't force the journey, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you're not willing to go on the journey, then you should just hop in that lift and keep it moving, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, because uh, that's just real, right? Like if somebody's being honest with you, but then it, but then this is where the, where the trick come in at. Like, so when it was going that way and I'm being honest and then I'm like, okay, now nah, I still got the complications. So what if I just don't say anything and just be like, okay, this is how this plays out. And it, so it's, it's just, it gets super complicated, right? And, and, and I think part of it also is not even about gender. It's about the social structure of what people believe relationships to be. This idea of ownership. Like you want to own somebody. And like that's one thing that I can't, like I can't, I can't be owned. Like you can't own me in that way. Like, you know what I mean? And, and, and the whole way to this structure is the way that we even say my man, my woman, my, my, my. There's a lot of that that's rooted in this idea of ownership. You know? And, and, and that once you love someone that somehow everything about them has to conform to fit the narrative that you have in your head mm -hmm. and it doesn't you know what i'm saying like i was a whole human being before we ever connected and so yes that means that there you know can there be some compromise on some things absolutely um but that's an agreement we're entering to where we're both permissive not because something i do makes you feel some kind of way like right. That's some shit that you got to fix. Just like if it's something that I'm feeling, I have the responsibility to check myself and say, okay, is this my thing or is that her? You know what I mean? And if it's her and it's who she truly is, then am I willing to sign up for that or not? You know what I mean? But I you, can't, you can't own somebody else. And so I'm, 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 it's going to take a level of spiritual maturation uh, therapeutic understanding, mm -hmm. uh, you know, mental agility to actually be in partnership with me at that level because I'm not settling for no nothing less than that. Hell no. And I mean, I like to look at relationships. This is also probably why I've been single for six years. But here's the thing. And Maya and I talked about this a little bit last week. Is like, hey, your mama gave me a cosign though, just for the record. Oh, my mom used all the cosigns, and remember, she utilized her her crazy white lady privilege to yell at people in the bookstore because they weren't carrying your book. I love now, it. My mom, my mom goes for you, okay, Shaka. She goes, okay. Um, wow. But I think that it's important, and I feel like what you're saying too, and like I like to look at numbers because you know people are like a relationship is fifty fifty and this and that. I like to look at a hundred, a hundred. Right. I'm bringing you a hundred, so I need a hundred, and and then we can figure out what what to keep each of us at a hundred looks like. Because I think sometimes, like you're saying, people approach these relationships like TV land, like a rom com, 
And it's like, I like to approach it like a friendship. Would I allow a friend to treat me this way? Mm. No. So why would I allow somebody I'm dating to treat me this way? You know, it's like setting that bar high and never settling. Because what's the point? Because like, we hung out yesterday. You're living your best life. Congratulations. Everybody shot just bought a house. I mean, claps in the house. It's beautiful. We're having a beautiful, peaceful, insightful, productive, joyful afternoon. Why would you ever want to bring anybody into that fold just to say, oh, I have a wife, I have a girlfriend, who's going to bring all that down? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, like, you know, people be talking about level up. Like, it's real. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's like, you know, and I think a lot of times we settle for the convenient um, and, and we're not willing to put the work in to navigate, you know, what, what partnership really looks like and what we really need. Because that's the other thing, like, what, what do you really need? You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times we know what we want, but we're not thinking <laughs> about what we actually need, you know? And so, and, you know, my, my needs have evolved, you know, as I've grown and, you know, grown in success, grown in, you know, my spiritual understanding, my emotional intelligence. And so I can only, you know, focus on what I need. What would you, what advice would you give to anybody, but particularly young men? Because, you know, Chloe and I focus a lot of our work on young women. And, like, when I look at the pool of young women that I work with, that I deal with from age 6 to 28, 30, like, they're amazing. Like, they are showing up fully who they are ready to be joyful, etc. So what advice would you give to young men who maybe haven't been able to tap into that joy yet or, or maybe having imposter syndrome if they're, you know, doing well in school or just got into a great college or a great job? What advice could you lend to them? So one, one of the things I think it's important for a young men to do is identify a mentor who's actually built something. And what I mean by that is like, you know, when you think about who the role models are as touted by the media for black men, it's typically entertainers, athletes, mm -hmm. it's rarely intellectuals, writers, mm -hmm. things like that, right? If a man has not built nothing, he does not really understand how to provide or how to produce in a way that's sustainable. Mm -hmm. um, so if you've only ever had a job and you've never had to figure out how to build anything, whether it's building wealth, whether it's building uh, housing for you and your family, whether it's physically building something and seeing it through the completion, like you're not capable of being a mentor or a role model mm. uh, because you're incapable of providing the life skills necessary to ensure that the person that you're mentoring can provide and produce in a way that benefits them and brings them joy. Um, I don't think that young men should rush into a relationship until they've actually built something. Mm -hmm. Build your resume, you know what I'm saying? Build a gold car, build a garage, build your mama's garden, you know, <laughs> hustle. Do something that is completed, right? Mm. Because a lot of these guys are high fashion, basically, uh, employees and there's a difference in a man who's built something than a man who's being paid for his services by the man who built it 
and you just operate out of a different level. And so even within this culture, I hear a lot of guys get crowned with this title of king that haven't built a kingdom. Like if you're like, if you haven't built a kingdom, like you're not a king, you may be a king in practice. Right. You know what I'm saying? Or working up to that. But it's levels to being a king. And a king is somebody who's produced, somebody who's built, and somebody who's capable of providing, not just financially, mm-hmm. but provide in a way that adds value to the people whose lives that they're responsible for. And if you've never had that degree of responsibility, then you're not capable of being a mentor. And those are the wrong guys to follow. Because if you haven't built anything that you're responsible for, you haven't been having to provide for somebody that you're responsible for, you don't understand what value is. And somebody who has no value, they'll tell you any fucking thing. Because they don't know what they believe. You know what I mean? So men who build are men who understand value. You know what I mean? And so I love that. I mean, I love that you even said build your mom's garden. Like if we have a teenager or you know a twelve year old listening, build a garden. Put a bike together. Like I literally had my son put together my 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 nightstands because I want him early on to be able to not only follow directions but understand directions and then execute something to completion. Because there's a sense of fulfillment and yes. purpose that comes with that. And so he's very task-oriented because he's getting that behavior as model, right? With buying a home, like he was with me every step of the process. Amazing. Every step. Because as a man, he has to understand how do you build your kingdom. Yes. You know and what I mean? And it's amazing because now he's, he at eight years old has been exposed to things, particularly... And this is, I think, how we build Black generational wealth, is bringing our kids into the rooms so that they can see it, they can feel it, and then they have the pride, too. So, obviously, you bought the house with your money, but that is you and Sekou's home and the pride that he has. You know, when he greets us when we enter the door, I feel that. Absolutely. The care that he has when he's wiping something down, he's like... We built this. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I, I think that that is, is so beautiful and so powerful. So everybody built something. And Shaka said it can be as small as a bike, a garden, an Ikea bookshelf. No, hire somebody for the Ikea bookshelf. I'm not building this. <laughs> no, I actually build those very well. Yeah. I take pride in the fact that I know how to build things. and like. I'll be like, look, you got to know when to hire and when to fire. This, <laughs> but, but that is because Shaka, you built. Absolutely, yeah. Because but it's, it's one more. It's one more element. I I, I do want to add to that. Oh please, please. You can't allow people to get in the way of what you're building. Mm. And I've had I've had that experience. And mm. the quest that I'm on, I've had that experience in the world of dating where. You know, you start hearing that, oh, you give too much time to this, or you're always on this, or you're always on that. And, like, that can rewire what you're building. And, like, when you're rooted in what you know that your long-term business is and your goals, like, nobody, period, should be able to misalign you from that. I don't care how amazing they look, how amazing they feel, all those things, if they're not contributing to handing you that hammer when you need it or that screwdriver, mm-hmm. then I mean they're in the way. 
and you'll never get anything accomplished if you allow people to disrupt you or remove the tools that you need to build something. So that's how that's how I get out. Like, yo, if you're not you're not with the building process, like you don't belong over here. No, I love that. Do you feel like as you've grown and gotten older, do you feel like as if you feel that person infringing upon your joy, is that like a red flag? Like it's a wrap? It is, but I, I haven't always listened. I done ran some red lights. I done just been like, ah, stop the, skip the stop sign. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm human, right? It's, it's the human part of being, right? Um, it is. And, and then I also have this struggle, too, because, you know, I, so I've gone through this process where I'm like, you know, I'm going to be celibate for, like, 90 days. And then I get this avalanche of guilt because I'm like, I was celibate for 20 years, so I'm straight. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I owe myself. I can't, so I can't take that off the shelf, right? Uh, that is hilarious, Shaka. And I do, for real. I mean, like, my guys call me every week, and I'm like, can you imagine me being like, yo, I'm on this 90-day fast right now? Um, and, and, and so, you got brothers. You got your brothers locked up. Who that's really like, yo, take get get it for me, like you know what I'm saying. Um, but it, but but no, I, th I think it's 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 one of them things where you know I don't I don't focus on perfection. I focus on process, right? I love that. And, and, and as long as I'm still growing, as long as I'm still evolving, and, and as long never as I'm work present, from a deficit. That's what you taught me yesterday. Absolutely. You never look or work from a deficit in your life, which I love. I wrote that down yesterday. Yeah. And I think it's. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Shaka, first of all, this is flown by. You're all in the room. I have, because I, IG will cut us off in like six minutes. So before yeah. I go to my fire questions, I, um, can you just tell us the joy you felt when you got the call from Oprah the first time? Because everybody, guys, Oprah has called Shaka many times, and she said that it's, his, it's her best interview of her career. But I just want to know, because you had manifested that while you were locked Absolutely. up, that she was going to call you and read your book. So what, what did that feel like when that manifestation came to life? It was the most fulfilling moment for me because it was validation that thoughts become things. Mm -hmm. um, and it really was, was reconciling the vision I had for myself. So it was amazing. I'm going to tell you what was even more amazing, though, honestly, is when she said to me that my memoir was one of her absolute favorites. Mm -hmm. And the one she read was the, uh, the one that I self-published. Mm -hmm. And she just recently told me that, right? Oh. And so that was that was just so fulfilling and so joyful. I mean, because, and everybody who's just joining, this is the book, by the book. Um, so Shaka, some fire questions. Because, you know, you know, I'm going to manifest my dreams with you right now because clearly goodness happens with you always, is that I want to host my own talk show. Mm -hmm. And I only want to talk about positivity and how people have gotten to joy because too much is magnified on the negative, on bad things people do, bad things people have done. And I just, when I think of you, I only think of goodness. I don't think about your past, but your past, without your past, we wouldn't know each other. You wouldn't be where you are today. So it's important, but it does, it's not your defining moments. And um, so some quick, joyful fire questions, Shaka. What city brings you the most joy? Detroit. I'm from the D, yo. What up, though? Yeah. What food? What food brings you the most joy? Some really home-cooked fried chicken. 
Like I'm Ooh. the blackest of black. Yeah. I don't know how to fry chicken yet. I'll work on it. I'll work on it. Um, what human being brings you the most joy? I think I know. Yes, yeah, Sekou brings me. It's no greater joy than that, for sure. I love it. And so, Shaka, the last, first of all, thank you so much for honoring me with your wisdom. Um, this was so enlightening. Every time I speak to you, I feel like I learn, I grow. I always feel so happy. You made me blush. Thank you. <laughs> you um, put brothers, you told brothers things to think about, put things in perspective, which I think is so important. And so, hey, they, hold on, they should say, uh, Faith can cook that chicken. Oh, Faith, Faith knows how to fry chicken. Okay. Tell so Faith to pull up. Fry. Have, oh, Mr. Fascinate wants to see the book again. That's Writing My Wrongs. Let's take it to the New York Times bestseller list again. This book will change your life. It'll make you a better person. It'll make you a better mom, a better dad, a better friend, a better boyfriend, girlfriend. Whatever it is right. you identify, it'll make you better that. And since Malcolm is is a hero to the both of us and you know even when you were just talking about now how you would read books standing up in a light um just like malcolm did um when he was in prison i just want to leave us with this quote and it's, we need more light about each other light creates understanding understanding creates love love creates patience and patience creates unity and that's malcolm x and this is shaka Senghor. Thank you again, Shaka. I hope you had fun on the podcast. I did. I had an amazing time. This has been incredible. Thank you You're so much. The best. And and I, do, I, I do want to say this, though. You said that you want, to, you want to create, uh, you want to be a you know, TV host of joy. You're already doing it. So it's already done. You know, so keep doing it. And we're here to rock with you and support you all the way to the fulfillment of your vision. To the top. So I like to end every song. When I think of you, Shaka, I think of this song. Detroit. And we're blessed. No, dog. Tell us this joint, too. Thanks, love. I love you. I love Sekou. I love you, too. I think we talk Sekou on the You know it's going to be hilarious. Yeah, he was supposed to come say hi before they cut us off. Where is he at? We have a minute. Say cool. Say cool. Everybody, you have to meet the amazing Say cool. This is my boo. This is why Shaka and I are friends. Come here. This, this little man that I met. You only got like Pasino. one minute to come say hi. And they said, yeah. oh, Usher's here. And I said, I don't care, this little child. Hey, Say cool. How you doing, bro? Hi. Can you say hi to the people? Hi. <laughs> Seku, you're going to be on the podcast very, very soon. Are you excited? Mm-hmm. I'm excited, too. Just know, Seku, that you bring, obviously, you know you bring your dad joy, but you bring so much joy into my life. And if it weren't for you, I would not be friends with your dad. So I just want to say thank you, and I appreciate you very, very much. Thank you. And don't forget, <laughs> Seku, can you tell the people to modify their day? That really runs. That's a really good run. You gotta say it. I gotta you have to modify your day. You gotta modify your day for your day to be great. That's amazing. I love you guys. <laughs> bye. Everybody have a wonderful right, week. Please. Thank you, Shaka Senghor. Don't forget, buy the book and treat people well. All right, sis. Peace. Love you, Shaka. Love you too. See you soon. I'll get off here.